This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, the Senate begins another impeachment trial today. This one of a former president, Donald Trump. He's got the distinction of being the first president impeached twice, as well as the first to go through this process after already having left office. In order to protect our democracy, Democrats are making a mockery of it. They insist this is necessary because Trump's a uniquely evil and dangerous figure in American history. You've certainly heard that a million times. But there's a much simpler explanation for a repeat performance of this congressional absurdity. Trump broke the libs and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put them back together again. Trump broke the libs. And they're emotionally and psychologically damaged. They were wounded by the Trump presidency. They were traumatized by Trump winning that 2016 election. And so this for them is something that they, they, they insist we go through. They insist it happens. They need it to happen in the hopes that the Trump boogeyman will forever be vanquished from the political scene. This is crazy. Let's remember that from the start, everything about Donald J. Trump as president was an affront to Democrats. They abhorred his policies and vision. They detested his MAGA slogan. They hated his roughness with journalists on Twitter, which was amazing most of the time. And his constant goading of our fraudulent ruling class. His refusal to bend the knee at the altar of political correctness was sacrilege. They even hated his hair and constantly bleated that orange man bad. This is all we have to know to understand that opposition to Trump was never rooted in fairness or decency. Anything and everything was justified to take him down. Democrats, the deep state, the corporate media colluded to create a Russiagate hoax that was meant to end Trump's presidency and cause the ruination of his brand and family. And the left all along could care less that it was all based on a big lie. In fact, they celebrated that aspect of it. It showed how powerful and how devious they were. Unhinged anti-Trumpism, as we've seen at its core, was always a selfish tantrum of the elites. Trump, you see, is one of them, and they felt that as one of their own, he was breaking an unspoken code here. He was holding up the mirror to their incompetence and vanity in front of the whole country. And for the powerful, for, for the elites, for the ruling class, including, of course, the Romneyite wing of the GOP, Trump's 2016 win was an unpardonable sin. The Democrats now want to conduct a political exorcism as a result. And here's my my prediction, really my promise to you. This is going to be a clown show. What exactly do they hope to achieve with this impeachment trial? No serious person believes the Senate will reach the two-thirds vote threshold for conviction. Any Republican in a red state voting to convict Trump would be committing political suicide. That's because the Trump base would obviously take it as an insult, and it is an insult, meant to humiliate 75 million Trump voters. 
meant to treat us all like we stormed that capital, like we are all right wing QAnon, violent domestic insurrectionists. Now we're just Americans who think that Donald Trump would be better if he were still in office than Joe Biden. It's pretty straightforward, really. But the point of all of this is clear. The reason the Democrats are doing all of this is vindictiveness. They think that a Democrat a Democrat trial in the Senate will allow them to achieve what they've wanted all along, which is the repudiation of all things Trump, the elimination of him from the future and the eradication of him from the record. It will be as if Trump never existed in our political life. That's what this is supposed to achieve. And it'll allow the news media, of course, to run endless stories on a loop about Trump's incitement to insurrection. This is ultimately about that narrative creation and the destruction of the Trump brand. I still believe that the unintended consequences of this are going to come back and bite the Democrats hard. That what they're doing is completing here four years of an obvious cycle of persecution with the wild-eyed fury and vengeance of the Trump deranged leading the whole thing, acting like he was Hitler, acting like he was a fascist. He was a Russian puppet. He was going to lead us to nuclear war with North Korea. That's right. The guy who didn't start a new war was the one that we were told was just minutes away from a massive conflict with Iran or exchanging nukes with North Korea or invading Sweden because he wanted to steal all their ergonomic chairs, whatever. That's what they said about Trump for four years. And now they won't even let the guy leave office as he has and go into private life, as is his right, without continued harassment. And this isn't just meant to harass him. It's meant to harass you. This is meant to show you that what you did, if you voted for this man, will neither be forgotten nor forgiven by your elites, by your betters. Vote for Biden, peasant. Don't you see how brilliant he is? Don't you see what a genius we have at the helm of government? I've been doing the things and the stuff and uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's now the commander in chief of the United States military. Don't you sleep better at night knowing that? And exactly what we had expected all along is what's happening. He's a pass through. He's a puppet for the radical left. They just used him because he was the facade they needed to convince enough people in a very tough year. 2020 was a hell of a bad year, and it just was. That's the truth. We all know it. And in a really bad year, the promise of a guy who will bring us back to normalcy just was it was just enough with all the changes. And yes, there were changes and all the stacking of the deck. And yes, there was stacking of the deck with the election and all the shenanigans and machinations behind the scenes added to Joe Biden as a Manchurian candidate for the left guy's been around so long. How dangerous could he really be? Right. That was the whole sales pitch. They were able to get him into the Oval Office. And now we see what an absurdity the whole thing is. And so they're claiming that Trump incited an insurrection. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get full answers on exactly uh, what the extent and what the severity of the violence from this insurrection was before this impeachment trial commenced? 
somehow it just broke recently that the one officer who did die, uh, Officer Sicknick at Capitol Hill, according to CNN reporting, was in no way violently uh, beaten to death. That, that didn't happen. He did not have bruises, contusions, nothing. Uh, he, so it wasn't a it wasn't an attack the way that we were led to believe that that uh, took Officer Sicknick's life. What did and why isn't that an, an urgent matter of national concern for the media? Shouldn't we know that right away? I back the blue. I want to know what really happened, but we can't know what really happened. Insurrection. Have the trial. Right. Verdict first trial later. And that's what they're hoping for here. But the verdict isn't even going to be what they want and they know it. So what are they really going to do? They're going to give a lot of speeches about how awful Trump was. They're going to give plenty of sound bites to CNN and MSNBC. The journalist class will go through this catharsis where they think they finally defeated Trumpism. They're finally getting their revenge on him for the four years of humiliation that they felt they suffered at his hands. It's really all about them. It's not about the American people, I can assure you. And it's certainly not about what's best for justice, the Constitution or the country. Nobody even remembers what the first farce impeachment of Trump was about at this point. And this one, the second impeachment, 2.0 version, will soon fade out of the public's mind as well. But what will linger is the recognition that former President Donald J. Trump drove much of the Democrat Party insane. And that psychosis is already defining much of the Biden agenda. So strap in, my friends. It is going to be a bumpy ride. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Once again, they, they picked the dumbest of all impeachment articles. I mean, you got Kamala Harris with Amy Coney Barrett. Remember that mother of seven. And she's telling the whole world that Judge Barrett's coming after your health care and coming after your reproductive rights and coming after your voting rights. I mean, if you're dumb enough to believe that, that's going to incite you, too. So what the president's lawyers are going to do is play those clips and say, you know what? If you're going to start penalizing hot political rhetoric, let's do it for both sides. This is a very important point in all of this, and it's in some ways the most troubling legacy of what has happened with the transition of power to the Biden administration. Uh, They have embraced now double standards in the policing of speech that are meant to politically crush the other side. If we say fight for your rights, it's insurrection, it's violence. If they say uh, Trump didn't really win the election, he uh, he's an agent of Russia. Vladimir Putin has compromat on him. And oh, any moment now, you know, he's going to hand the, the country over to the Kremlin. That's just, you know, analysis and, and editorializing or just straight news. I mean, they'll lie even more about it. This disparity is something that they are entirely embracing because they think they have the power now to do it. This is not a side effect. This is the intent. The Democrats want to be able to use the most inflammatory rhetoric possible. They want political violence to be excused and minimized on their side, as we see from BLM and Antifa constantly. And then on the other side, they want the perception to be that if you are a conservative, if you're a Republican, if you're a Trump supporter, and you say anything that borrows from the common usage, martial rhetoric of politics, you're a bad person. You've incited violence. 
Sorry, you're responsible for that Capitol Hill insurrection. Even after the fact, you were contributing to it, even if you weren't there and didn't say anything and didn't know about it. You were a contributor, even though it happened before you said the thing you said. Doesn't matter. Go back and, and read just a few chapters in the, in the early stages. The, the, the sewage system of the, uh, of the Soviet Union was, was one way that Solzhenitsyn would refer to this. And it, it's, it's amazing when you see how the arguments, the arguments that would be raised by the system were, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, it was all meant to just take care of dissent. It didn't make any difference whatsoever if you had a, a fair point. It didn't make any difference if you uh, were, you know, you, you were meant to be flushed away. Be quiet. We're in power. Shut up. Your arguments don't matter. What side of the political aisle is doing that right now? Who is really doing that? Just getting rid of, of, of the arguments of the other side without even engaging. Is that on the right or is that on the left? We know that it's certainly not on the right. We, we don't own the social media platforms, the corporate news media, Hollywood, academia. We, we don't have control of these things. No corporation bends the knee and begs forgiveness for offending right wingers. No major company says, oh, I'm so sorry that you know, Christian conservatives feel like they've been affronted in some way by one of our policies. No, quite the opposite. So who really has the power right now? Who's really calling the shots? That then brings me to this impeachment this week. Even when they're in power, it's not enough to wield it. They have to destroy the other side because he, here's something that you got to know. The single greatest asset that Republicans have um, is that the incompetence, absurdity, fecklessness and phoniness of the Democrats is going to be obvious for all to see. I mean, after six more months of, bumble, of, of bumbling, mumbling Biden and John Kerry's climate lectures, you know, maybe he should just call in from the yacht, you know, really just go all in, John Kerry. The midterms are going to start to look a whole lot more promising than they do right now. That's for sure. But it'll also be this will be an opportunity. You'll see this for uh, Democrats to, to say the most absurd stuff you've ever heard about a president. And that's saying a lot, given what they've already said about Trump. And Senator Hirono uh, is, is trying to say that there might be some surprise vote from the GOP. I, I certainly don't think she's right, but you never know until it happens. Uh, Senator Hirono, among the, I, I always said among the, it's probably is the dumbest person in the United States Congress. Uh, she's saying that, oh, don't worry, there is going to be the surprise vote. Play six. Well, what I understand is that most of my Republican colleagues will vote to not convict him and hiding behind this argument, uh, which is uh, not uh, uh, adhered to by most constitutional scholars, that that impeaching a president who has already left office is unconstitutional. That is not the case. So they'll hide behind that. Why, John? Because what is happening with my Republican colleagues, most of them, is uh, their extreme fear of Donald Trump and the Trump base. So what's motivating them is uh, extreme fear rather than 
doing their constitutional responsibility to listen to the evidence and uh, make a, a vote for conviction. My bad. I actually misread the the verbate, as they call it on that one. I thought she was saying they might vote for conviction because they had been in fear. But no, she's saying they won't vote because they are scared. Uh, and I mean, They won't vote for conviction because they're scared. And no, they won't vote for conviction because he didn't incite an insurrection. And Democrats set a standard. I think this is very important. And the standard is that they are that it's allowable to question an election result as long as you're doing it against Republicans. We thought the standard was it's just allowable to question an election result because that would be a standard. But they've got a double standard. And that's what will be operating here. That's what will be going on. And then, of course, more about, well, we don't even have, you know, they're going to talk more about uh, how this is all about repudiating white supremacy, uh, which is now in our in our discourse and in just news and analysis, the most abused and overused phrase in the English language, which is pretty astonishing when you think about it. I've never heard so much referred to that has nothing to do with the original term. Uh, white supremacy is just now a catch all for we hate the other political people. They'll call anybody the same way they used to call anything they didn't like racist in the 90s. They'll call anyone they don't like now or anything, any system, a white supremacist or a, a part of white supremacy. I never have to define it, never have to back this up. It's just the smear that's useful. And so they continue to deploy it. And they and, and speaking of smears, you got to hear what they're saying about Governor Ron DeSantis right now. They're delusional and they're dishonest. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. I got to tell you, in watching 22,000 fans uh, in the stadium yesterday, uh, most wearing masks, but then afterwards, revelers running all around without masks. I I just kept on thinking super spreader event, super spreader event, super spreader event. And I was thinking about Governor DeSantis with, you know, lifting all of the restrictions. I I thought, you know, Florida is going to kill all of us. I I really felt that way. And there should be no reason uh, why wearing a mask has been politicized the way that it has been. There should be no reason why Governor DeSantis um, has been so woefully inadequate in terms of uh, protecting uh, the people not only of Florida, but the people of the United States. Imagine all those those people, those 14,500 ticket buyers uh, who are now going to fly back somewhere or go back into their communities and infect other people. I, I thought it was just despicable and disgusting. Now, she's just, I guess, not very smart, this woman on The View. Um, 14, should she really think that 14,000 people who were at this open air stadium and socially distanced, they all got infected? Really? That It's a super spreader event? Really? What were the Black Lives Matter protests, which were outside? Were, were they super spreader events? I just want to know. No, they weren't. Oh, okay. So the virus discriminates on the basis of politics. Right. Sure. It only infects right wing outdoor gatherings. But this is also the Super Bowl. It's not even a right-wing gathering. It's just people want to see football. Ah, but it's in Florida, so there's a political component to it, you see. Uh, You are going to be, unfortunately, dragged through dishonesty that will truly blow your mind in the months ahead. The data speaks for itself. Ron DeSantis has the third, uh, sorry, the 
yeah, the third largest state in the country by population is in the middle of the pack nationwide for covid mortality. That includes states like Wyoming, Vermont, Montana. You know, that that includes states where there's far fewer people, no real cities to speak of, you know, large cities to speak of. Sorry. And, you know, you're talking about Florida, which was open the whole time and limited the tyranny of the mask shamers and the, and the lockdown lunatics, limited their tyranny. And the response you get from people now looking at the data is just lie about it. DeSantis is the bad guy in all of this. They, they have to tell they have to convince people that because unless they get them all bleeding it like the sheep they are, if they actually look at the data, they look at the numbers, you'd have to say, OK, DeSantis did not shut his state down and yet had a better a better covid result in every possible way you can gauge it than uh, than California, than New York then New Jersey, then I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak out of turn and guess at a number of other states, but I'm sure it's better than Michigan, better than Illinois. And they're acting like he's the bad guy. You'll, you'll see this. This is going to be very clear because you know what terrifies them? Think about this. Trump's down. His whole family's now down in Florida. Florida has become the new Texas in a lot of ways. Sorry, Texas. I love you. But, you know, your governor's not been so great. Governor Abbott. Not so great. Austin, little too Looney Tunes, Austin, with the policies. I know we got our KLBJ folks there, but uh, Austin, I'm told, is like San Francisco plopped down in the middle of Texas right now. Uh, although really good food, so that's nice. And here's what's going on with the way the Democrats are viewing all this. If DeSantis is able to get that Trump apparatus behind him, with being a very effective governor, with having a record to show through a true crisis that he was he was smarter and braver and just better at this than other people in positions of authority and power. He will be a formidable candidate if he were to choose to run, and especially if the Trumps decided to get behind him. You know, maybe maybe Ivanka runs for Senate in Florida and uh, Laura Trump runs for Senate in North Carolina and. You know, Donald Trump Jr. decides that he wants to really just push DeSantis this this go round. He's still got a long time before he would have to run himself. So they're trying to deal with this right away. Stop the DeSantis train before it can get going. And I'm sure Floridians are saying, stop trying to steal my governor, Buck. But the nation may need him. The nation may need him. Uh, think about that. A an America first agenda filtered through the the. Uh, judgment and and uh, aptitude for governance of Ron DeSantis. That, that could really be something. I mean, look, I don't want to get too early in this and celebrating before we all. But we're, we're seeing the covid numbers making it very clear who's done what. But, you know, they're going to lie about him. And this is why I, I want to establish this now for all of you. They're going to be lying to you about DeSantis. Play uh, four. Obviously, Florida remains uh, a hot spot. Uh, the variant uh, looks like uh, it could spread very quickly around this state. And Mika, uh, vaccinations continue to go at an unbelievably slow rate. Yeah, no, the, the vaccine process is, is painfully slow. I mean, there are people who are in categories who, you know, are definitely apply for it right now. Uh, like my mother, people 
eight, over the age of 70 who cannot get it. And then you see video of kids squashed together, screaming at each other, probably drinking. I mean, this is just a nightmare. Well, I mean, that is a COVID nightmare. You, you talk about your mother. There's somebody who's 89 who has Parkinson's. And she can't get the vaccine. She hasn't been able to get a vaccine. Uh, <laughs> and we know a lot of people uh, who are in their mid to late 70s, 80s, who have underlying conditions in Florida can't get their vaccines either. Seriously? I, how hard uh, has this been? I know that uh, Ron DeSantis uh, has been uh, stumbling around over the past year or so and has had some real problems, uh, especially as it's pertained to vaccines. But I don't think anybody would have expected him to foul it up as badly as he has. Now, let me just give you numbers so you understand how much these idiots on Morning Joe are lying to you. They're lying to you. You hear this, oh, yeah, it's so bad. You know, DeSantis done such a bad job. New York and Florida have roughly equal population. New York is the epitome of the Fauciite Democrat lockdown state. Okay, the epitome of it. And, and I'm here, and I know, and I've been dealing with it. First doses received of the vaccine in New York. And we've got roughly the same population here, folks, New York and Florida. First doses received. 1.8 million in New York. Oh, who wants to guess how many have been received in Florida? 2.7 million. So is is 2.7 million more than 1.8 million? Does any do any libs out there? Does Morning Joe can Morning Joe math good for me for a second here? Can you math good, Joe Scarborough? What's more, 2.7 million or 1.8 million? Hmm. But John Ron DeSantis done a terrible job with the vaccine. Oh, okay. You say, well, Buck, that's only that's only uh, one metric. Okay, well, let's look at the most important metric of all deaths. And remember, we're talking about a population. Florida has two million more people. Okay, so Florida actually, in, in a sense, is, is not a fair comparison in Florida's favor when you're looking at a number like this. Uh, Florida deaths from COVID-19, 27,814. New York deaths from COVID-19. As of today, according to CDC data, 44,512. Okay, again, Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, let's see if you can math good. What's more, 27,000 or 44,000? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? But Ron DeSantis has messed it up so badly. Do you, you see, friends, we have we have a scoreboard now, so to speak, with things like the vaccination. We have results to look at here. This is this is not just opinion. This is not, oh, I like my guy. You like your guy. This is we actually have data to borrow from the Fouch. And the data unequivocally. With absolute clarity. Shows that Florida did better than New York. Over the last 12 months of dealing with this pandemic, there is no honest, serious argument otherwise. It doesn't exist. And you can look at, uh, at, at other similar states. By the way, New Jersey would be the same thing. Very hard lockdown in New Jersey. Very serious with the virus. Um, and, and if you look at other, other blue states... You know, it becomes very clear what's happening here. And I want everyone to understand this. Um, they have to lie. They have to lie about this because their power is at stake. 
They, they told you so many things that were not true. And they won't admit now, even when the data speaks clearly to how they were wrong, that they were wrong. They just want to change course a little bit slowly. They told you things that were not true. They made people suffer. And they understand that if the American people come to recognize that, there will be consequences for those in charge. They will be kicked out of power because they're idiots. And the Democrat Party will lose power. So what do they do? They are just telling you things that are not true. I mean, Morning Joe and The View and these other shows, they're going after low-information voters out there who watch these shows and think that they're getting intelligent analysis and, and, and honest journalism or whatever. And they're just, they're just making stuff up. You cannot say that Ron DeSantis has done a bad job with COVID compared to other states of similar size and population density. It is an impossible argument to make. And yet they're not only are they saying that he didn't do his. They're saying that he did a terrible job and other people did a good job like Cuomo. Yeah. Um, these people never cared about you. They didn't care about the suffering you went through. Uh, these media talking heads did not miss a single paycheck. Uh, they don't feel bad for you when you're, you know, coughing through a mask. If you're trying to go to the gym after being depressed for months and months after losing your job, after watching your kid perhaps be near suicidal because he can't see his friend. They don't care about any of that. It's all about Joe Biden winning the Democrats, good people in the White House. That's what they care about. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What should we be expecting this week as the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump happens after he's left office? We're joined now by our friend Danielle D'Souza Gill. She is a commentator and author of a book, The Choice, The Abortion Divide in America. Danielle, great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. So what are your expectations for what we're going to be going through with this post-presidency impeachment trial, which is fun to say, but not going to be fun to watch? Yeah, my expectation is that President well, President Trump will obviously be acquitted. They won't have the votes, but the left is clearly doing this as a show trial. They know that um, not only is this unconstitutional because he's not the president, but they also won't have the votes. So they're clearly doing this really just as a way to continue slandering him. Many you know, media people on the left know that in order to keep their high ratings, they have to keep talking about Trump and, and continue um, kind of keeping him on the stage as someone to go against, even though um, Biden, Biden is president. And do you think that the GOP is going to actually be surprised by any of the votes that may be cast in favor of in favor of conviction here. We've had 45 of 50 GOP senators who have said, you know what? Um, we don't even think this is constitutional, but that leaves a handful that may in fact cast their votes. So you could have the first ever, uh, the first ever failed uh, conviction here, but one that would have on the Senate side, bipartisan support for a president's <laughs> removal and, and, uh, and barring from office. Yeah. I think it'll be too surprising. I mean, we know that Mitt Romney, for example, is going to vote for him to be impeached because he hates Trump and so on. So I think there'll, there'll be those few, but the majority of the Republican Party supports Trump and also views this as unconstitutional. Um, and even, even so, Trump is not to blame for inciting the riot. He clearly tweeted about people being peaceful and asked people to be peaceful. And then Twitter removed his tweet saying that. So clearly 
they don't actually care about the facts of, of what happened. And many people in the GOP are saying, well, this is going to kind of keep us from uniting and moving forward. But I don't think that that's the best argument. I think the best argument is that this is clearly unconstitutional, one, because he's, he's not the president. And number two, he is not guilty of what you say. Speaking of Danielle D'Souza Gill, she's the author of The Choice, The Abortion Divide in America. And Danielle, we've already seen some troubling stuff from the Biden administration when it comes to the issue of life and and being pro-life. What's going on so far and what are some of the concerns you have about where this Biden presidency? You know, he's all about his Catholic faith. They tell us he's all about being Grandpa Joe, they say. But then what we've seen so far is a lot of very left wing stuff on on immigration, on energy, but also on the abortion issue. Absolutely. Biden, Harris, Saki, they love to hide behind the fact that Biden uh, claims to be Catholic, yet he has, uh, through the Mexico City, Mexico City policy, um, made America so that we are funding abortions abroad. So not only will we, be, will we be funding them here, but in other countries. And I think what this shows is that America actually has some of the most radical abortion policies in the world. Many other countries have more traditional values than we do. They have more restrictions on abortion. And yet we are exporting these very radical views to other countries around the world by putting putting our, um, our taxpayer dollars into that. So I think mean, it's very disturbing. And many people um, who are Republicans before this said that, hey, you know, Biden isn't, you know, this, this moderate that you think he is. He actually is very radical on all these things. And now that he's, he's president, he's proved to be that radical. He's um, included Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, all these people um, in leadership positions, you know, if we, if we will be on the abortion issue. So clearly Biden is operating in a place where he's he's trying to bring in a lot of the radical side of the Democratic Party while still trying to act like he's moderate. So he can kind of have the best of both worlds or something. But um, meanwhile, a lot of us are seeing through that. And this kind of I'm a Catholic argument really is just totally hollow. Yeah, I we have been saying for a while that as a Catholic, he actually has a responsibility if he was a serious. They say he's devout. Amy Coney Barrett is radical, but uh, on her Catholicism. But but Joe, Joe Biden is devout. Um, do, do you think that people are going to start to see through this facade more as Biden, as you said, pushes further and further to the left, including on policies that are in direct contradiction to his allegedly Catholic beliefs? Yeah, I think it's laughable that the media is trying to create this caricature of him as the most religious president we've ever had, the most you know Catholic president or something, posting photos of him sitting, um, you know, in a church and so on, as if this kind of makes him, you know, a true uh, religious believer. And the reality is that his policies go completely against that. And I think that. Um, in order for people to see that, they, they don't have to look too far. It's really front and center. Only a few days into being president did he did he do that, and he's issued all kinds of executive orders. Um, so, no, I think it's really just a charade by the media to make him seem as though he's the great unifier and you know, rope religion into this, but um, he clearly clearly does not consider his, his faith to be central to anything that he does. Yeah, he uses it as a shield to avoid criticism. But we'll, we'll continue to stay on it. Danielle D'Souza Gill, author of The Choice. Danielle, great to see you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. A sucky bomb dropped on the Green New Deal situation. You got Jen Saki, 
White House press secretary who has had a, a, some trouble with uh, circling back and the ums and the ahs and the ums. People are pointing out that if your job is to be the, communi- the, the primary user of the microphone for the, uh, for the White House and the West Wing, you should have a greater fluency of speech, perhaps. But nonetheless, here we are. And she's up there mostly getting what you would recognize very quickly as uh, very fluffy, friendly questions like, ah, is Joe Biden just totally in love with his dog or does he just think his dog is the greatest dog of all dogs? Just tell us. And that's what you're going to get from the press for four years, because they really think their job now is to assist the Biden administration to stay in power and get its policies done. Speaking truth to power is the opposite of what they think their jobs are. Let's all be very clear about that right now. Um, But occasionally there will be because there are still a a, a few outlets left that have uh, some access and some credibility to ask real questions. And an example of that would certainly be Fox News and Peter Ducey, the new uh, White House correspondent for Fox News. And he got a lot of a lot of pushback from other journalists for asking this question. But this is an excellent question because you've heard this many times. Whenever the Democrats get pushed into a corner on the jobs that are lost and the downside of their Green New Deal madness, they always go, well, uh, you know, John Kerry will say uh, the uh, the energy workers of, uh, uh, you know, I, I spoke to my gardener and he said that he knows somebody who once was near somebody who was on an oil rig. And while we may cost that person their job making ninety thousand dollars a year with good benefits, uh, perhaps we can have them work in a Chinese solar assembly plant for 50 cents a day and save the planet. I mean, that's basically what they're telling you. Your job's gone, but don't worry, there's going to be some other Green New Deal job. It's going to be way better. The Green New Deal job's going to be way better for you. Okay, does the Green... Who pays, who pays rent in a few weeks? Does that... Imaginary Green New Deal job pay for the jobs, uh, uh, pay for the the rents of the people who lost their jobs because of this. No. Hmm. Peter Ducey, high five and a hat tip to him. Ask Jen Psaki a very straightforward, very important question. Play two. When is it that the Biden administration is going to let the thousands of uh, fossil fuel industry workers, whether it's pipeline workers or construction workers, who are either out of work or will soon be out of work because of a Biden EO, uh, when it is and where it is that they can go for their green job? And that is something the administration has promised. Uh, There is now a gap. So I'm just curious when that happens, when those people can count on that. Well, I'd certainly welcome you to present your data of all the thousands and thousands of people who uh, won't be getting a green job. Maybe next time you're here, you can present that. But you said that they would be getting green jobs, so I'm just asking when that happens. Uh, Richard Trumka, who is a friend, longtime friend Mm -hmm. of Joe Biden, says about that day one Keystone EO, he says, I wish he, the president, had paired that more carefully with the thing that he did second by saying, here's where we are creating the jobs. So... 
there's partial evidence from Richard Trumka. Well, you didn't include all of his interview. Okay. Would you like okay. to include the rest? So, so how about this? Uh, the Laborers International Union of North America said the Keystone decision will cost 1,000 existing union jobs and 10,000 projected construction jobs. Well, what Mr. Trumka also indicated in the same interview was that President Biden has proposed a climate plan with transformative investments in infrastructure and laid out a plan that will not only create millions of good union jobs, but also help tackle the climate crisis. Yeah. So like, here's the thing, like, yes, like you, you like poor people with your union jobs on the Keystone, the icky, the icky pipeline thing that makes all the the goo and the mess for the environment. You're like totally going to like have this really nice, like awesome Green New Deal job at some point in the future. We just like don't know when, but Biden's like totally smart and really smart about the the jobs and there's going to be these green new deal jobs for you so just like just like take a chill you know yeah i know the mortgage payments totally it's really hard but like you know that's that's the Biden administration on policy when it comes to energy in a nutshell sorry that we've done something based on ideological reasons that's absurd that are absurd in the first place oh the world is melting climate change um, and it's going to really hurt people, cost them jobs. They no longer have employ uh, employment. They no longer have salaries and benefits and can't feed their families, can't pay their bills at a time when the country is already suffering. At least some people in the country are suffering economically a lot. But they they defer the political backlash to this by saying. Oh, don't worry. We're going to get you this awesome other job. Soon, we're going to get you this awesome other job any day now. Really? Is is that what's going to happen? They're going to get them an awesome job any day now? Huh. And they brought up the uh, the Trumpka interview. This guy's a big, big union boss. And here's what he actually said back in the first days after the Biden inauguration, when the first thing Biden does gets rid of the Keystone XL pipeline. And can I just r- remind everybody? The Keystone XL pipeline is is in most people's minds being canceled because or was canceled by Biden because of climate change and the need to combat CO2 emissions. Every analysis of the Keystone XL pipeline done by independent uh, agencies, by by scientists, by everyone who's looked at it, including the State Department under the Obama administration said that canceling the Keystone XL pipeline would result in greater overall CO2 emissions. The oil still comes out of the ground. It still gets burned for use in fossil fuels. But now it will be even more costly and more CO2 intensive to transport the oil. But they convinced a lot of ignorant people, a lot of, yeah, I just like want all the trees to breathe the fresh air and like not have the CO2, but... Wait, don't trees take in CO2? I get so confused. Uh, and they, they, they wanted to make those people, the environmentalists left, feel like they got a win and this was an easy win. So shut, shut it down. This is just pure emotion and ideology. Shut it down. Now, with that established, here is Richard Trumpka explaining exactly what this means. Well, what happens to the thousands of jobs? Play eight. I wish you hadn't done that on the first day because the Labor's International was right 
it did and will cost us jobs in the process. If I wish he had paired that more carefully uh, with uh, the, the thing that he did second by saying, here's where we're creating jobs. We can do mine reclamation. We can fix leaks and we can fix seeps and create hundreds of thousands of jobs in doing all of that stuff. You think Biden realizes that that was a mistake, that announcement? I, I think so, yes. <laughs> so that's the interview. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, there's Richard Trump, a big union guy who's like, uh, they can promise a lot of things. I mean, I just want to know if I if I walked into your office, your your place of work, your place of business, wherever that was. And I said, hey, I'm from the Biden administration. We're going to fire you today, but we're like totally going to give you this awesome green job at some point in the future. We don't know where we don't know what your salary will be and we don't know when. But you're like, totes going to have this awesome Green New Deal job. So just don't worry about it. How would you feel? Would, would you feel like that's a that's a fair, a fair trade off? It's a, a good thing to present to you. Of course not. If someone showed up to me and said, yeah, you know, your whole media career and all this stuff, that's going to go away. But we are totally going to hook you up with a job at a solar power plant at some point. They, oh, you don't know. Any, you've never worked in a solar. It's going to be great. You know, they have them in China. And people are loving the manual labor they have to do day in and day out at those assembly lines for very low pay. So it'll be great here, too. It'll be really high paying jobs. Don't worry. Oh, you have no skills in that area? Well, you'll develop some, you know, maybe learn to code or something. I don't know. Just shut up. We're saving the planet. That's the that's the real logic of the argument here. That's how it works. That's how it unfolds. I think that's a problem. I think that that shows how disconnected the Democrat Party really is from people who are actually in the working class. They don't care when they lose their jobs. They don't care about the suffering that they have. And we have to hold them to account for this because there are only a few people. And as I said, props to uh, Peter Ducey. There are only a few people that even have the access and the willingness to ask real questions of the government. The answer to the question, what happens to people who lose their jobs because of the climate change mania of Biden and the Democrats is they don't have green jobs to give them. That's the real answer. You lose your job and maybe one day we'll get you some other job. And in the meantime, tough for you, union workers. That's what the Democrat Party is actually saying without saying it. Got to save the planet. Sorry. Yeah, we have like all the great green jobs, though, and they're like so green and like you're just going to love them. Mm, I don't think Saki bombs winning over a lot of union guys with that one. 